Uh, Our God is not slow in keeping His promises. It may seem that way at times, but everything is unfolding according to God's plan and purpose on His sovereign calendar. And each day that we remain is another day of His patience, another day for us, for those that we know, for family, friends, for those that we don't know, to turn to Him. Um, That they would know His love in all ways through Jesus Christ. Um, So that that main goal, the goal of, of today, for me, for you, for every human being, is to know God more fully, to worship Him on the splendor of His holiness and majesty, which will be revealed in all of its grandeur on this coming day of the Lord. Uh, so if that's true, if that's before us, and we know that this day is coming, does that change anything? So the Apostle Peter, he closes this second letter. He's reminding the church. He's reminding us what we are to be about. Uh, how should we fill our days we have a knowledge of this coming day. So we're going to pick up at verse 10 in chapter 3 and read through just verse 14. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. This is God's holy Word. Let's pray together. Lord God, open our eyes. Show us wonderful things from Your law, from Your gracious Word to us. It is a Word that teaches us, a Word that warns us, a Word that encourages encourages us and above all, a Word that forms us more and more into the likeness of our Savior. Lord, show us the Righteous One anew this day as we consider that great and terrible day of Your coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Your name. Amen. 1989, there was an earthquake in the little country of Armenia in Western Asia, and just about leveled uh, the nation. About 30,000 people were killed in just a matter of minutes. And amidst all of this destruction and chaos following uh, this earthquake, there was a young father who who survived the quake uh, along with his wife. And once he knew that his wife was safe, he took off running toward the place where his son was supposed to be in school. And once he arrived at that place, he fell to his knees in absolute shock and despair. Because the building, the school building where his son was supposed to be was completely leveled. And as he's 
weeping and grieving over this, he remembered a promise that he made to his son. And that promise was, no matter what happens, I will be there for you. And so he ran to the corner of this building that was now leveled, where his son's classroom was supposed to be. And he started to move one rock and another. And one at a time, he started to dig in the midst of this devastation. And as other parents arrived, weeping, wailing, grieving over what was before them, they went to this father and said, it's no use. Just stop digging. No way anyone could survive such devastation. And the father simply asked, will you help me start digging? Um, but they, they walked away. And he, he kept on digging. And the fire chief came and, and tried to convince him of the same thing. There are fires breaking out after this earthquake. You're endangering yourself. You need, you need to step away. You need to go back home. And he just asked, will, will you help me? And nobody helped. Police did the same thing. You need to stop. We'll take care of this. You need to go home. But this father continued to dig through this rubble, desperately wanting to know if his son was dead or alive. And I think it's hard for us to imagine, maybe hard for us to imagine that type of devastation, and yet maybe not so hard as we watch a hurricane you know, sweep onto the coast or as we see a tornado rip through a small town or wildfire you know, roar through a valley. You know, we hear these things said, we may even say them ourselves, that you know, it looks like the end of the world. It looks like judgment day here. Everything is just laid bare. There is no way that anyone could survive such a devastation. So in closing this letter, uh, Peter speaks candidly about the coming day of judgment, the day of the Lord, and the devastation that awaits the ungodly. Instead of water cleansing the earth, it will be fire that destroys and purifies the heavens and the earth. The Lord is so very patient, so very merciful, and yet, this day is coming. And so knowing that, knowing this day of, of destruction and devastation, that has an impact for life today and how we approach today. And that's how Peter brings his letter to a close. Church, you're waiting for this day. Here's what makes sense while you are waiting. Here's what you should be up to while you wait. And because he uses that language of waiting, maybe you heard that three different times in these verses, I want to structure our thoughts around that. In his description as well as the commands, we find both a waiting for the Lord and waiting on the Lord, which may not sound like much of a difference. But we're waiting for and waiting on at the same time. We all are in the church. When you're waiting for someone, you're waiting for something, that is a relatively passive thing. Okay, you're waiting for Amazon to deliver that package that you just ordered. You're waiting in the parking lot so that you know, the, the Kroger employee can bring you the groceries that you've ordered. Okay, this, this is the initiative and action of someone else. And so, so it is with the coming day of the Lord. 
We don't decide when this happens. We're waiting on God's sovereign timeline. But what we do know is that the day of Christ's coming, and it's synonymous here with the day of God, that it will be at a time we do not expect. We may be waiting for this day when the heavens will be peeled back with a roar, the elements melt away with fire, yet it will catch us unaware. My son was working in the garage this last week on a little project, and both of the garage doors were closed. Well, I came home with one of the girls and hit the button for the garage door. And it makes this loud, rattling, clanging sound, and it scared him. He was not expecting that. Unaware. And Peter shares Paul's language in 1 Thessalonians 5. That this day will come like a thief in the night when all is laid bare before the Lord. The day is coming when these when the scoffers, yeah, we've heard a lot about them in this letter, the scoffers in the church, outside the church, false fishermen, that day is coming when they will know very clearly that they've made a mistake. That their deception and selfishness and greed and brutality and pride, idolatry, will all be exposed, will all be found out by the One who knows the hearts of every person. Jesus shares with His disciples, when persecution comes, they need not fear because the day is coming when nothing covered will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. For those in rebellion against God, rebellion against the truth of His Word, they will know and it will be too late on that day. I think most people we know will sort of you know, go on from day to day in what I call the foxhole option. You know, when the bombs start falling, when the world seems to be crashing in around them, they jump into the foxhole and they cry out to God. There's no atheist in a foxhole, right? Whoever this God may be, whatever this God may be, surely He will hear and answer out of His mercy. My friends, it's so wonderfully true if we cry out to Him now for the sake of Jesus. Now is the day of salvation. Today is when our, our cries for mercy, they are acknowledged. When we acknowledge our need, that we are utterly lost apart from the grace of God, those cries are heard. But on the day that Peter speaks of, these cries will be answered differently. Just living in perceived peace and perceived comfort and security, the wicked will receive their just reward. There will be no excuse for it at that time. Here's what the Apostle Paul, again in Romans 2, speaking of those who are following the rule of their own hearts and not the rule of God. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my Gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. On that day, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb, all will flee, but to no avail. Here's a few verses from Revelation 6. Compliment Peter's letter. When he opened the sixth seal, this is the Lamb, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. 
The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? Who can stand indeed? But that's the day we're waiting for. There's actually an anticipation, an excitement for us for this great and terrible day. And we'll, we'll get into why that is with Peter here. So we're waiting for this coming day of, of judgment, wickedness upon the ungodly. When that will all be found out, all wrongs made right, and yet we're waiting for more than this. Not just judgment and destruction of all that we see now. We're waiting, we're looking forward to a new world. A new home where righteousness dwells. Prophet Isaiah, he holds out this hope to God's people. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Again, at the end of the revelation given to John, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So here's a, a new universe created by God. Will, will it be complete and entirely new? Or will it be more of a, a renovation, purification of what is here? We don't know that for sure. I, I tend to lean in the, um, towards a purification and renovation uh, of the created order, order by uh, fire, as many of our uh, early church fathers do. But it will be new and that it will be a physical future world beyond what we can possibly imagine today. That's what we're waiting for. Our hearts long for this new world, something even better than we can perceive of in our dreams. Now, there's a, a rock group called Creed. I think they still exist. I wouldn't go out of your way to buy tickets. Um, but they had a song that they released 20 years ago called Higher. And, and the lyrics of this song capture the longing of the human heart. A longing for a, a better world, which is a longing in all image bearers of God, whether they recognize this or not. Again, I don't know if this was penned sincerely or drug-induced, but here are some of the words. It says, when dreaming, I'm guided to another world, time and time again. At sunrise, I fight to stay asleep, because I don't want to leave the comfort of this place. Because there's a hunger, a longing to escape from the life I live when I'm awake. So let's go there. Let's make our escape. Come on, let's go there. Let's ask, can we stay? Can you take me higher to the place where blind men see? Can you take me higher to a place with golden streets? Do you hear a longing to escape? A longing for this better place, which, you know, by this lyric, may be paved with streets of gold. A place where blind men see. Brothers and sisters, we have the source. We have the hope 
of such language. We have a hope and a longing for this present darkness to be pushed out by the light of that day. A place where blind see, a place where the deaf hear, where the lame walk, where the slave is set free. That world is coming. But our heart's longing, our greatest expectation on that day is not just for a higher place, it's for a holy and higher person. On that day of the Lord, our faith will be made sight, and that sight will be fixed on the Lord Jesus. In those days and at that time, says the prophet Jeremiah, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The place where righteousness dwells. That's where the Lord, our righteousness, reigns. In that place. That's what our hearts long for. We long for this branch, for Christ to dwell among His people again. So we may be caught unaware by this uh, day of the Lord, but we don't have to be caught unprepared. While we wait for the Lord, the new creation that, that He must provide, we're also waiting on the Lord. And some translations in the Old Testament will replace the for with on uh, in passages describing the waiting of God's people. Uh, Psalm 27, Psalm 130 are examples. Psalm 27 reads at the end, Wait for on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for or on the Lord. So that, that waiting for sounds more passive, but waiting on, like a waiter or waitress moving from one table to the next, that's a very, that's a very active thing. While we wait for the Lord, we're, we're, not just, we're not just killing time. We're not just wasting time. Our lives have a purpose for the end of time. So Peter says that, that it, we even play a role in, in speeding this day along. Verse 12. How do we spend this time waiting? By living lives of holiness and godliness. So the Apostle is going right back to the beginning. The, the themes we see in 1 verse 3, he's repeating here. We are set apart unto God, living and pursuing what He loves. Praying. Spending time in His Word. That His Word might dwell richly in us. We're serving. We're filled with a new song. The joy of the Lord fills our hearts. We're able to suffer well because we know what is coming. Waiting on the Lord really is an exercise in faith, actively trusting in God's providence, in His timeline. On his book, Waiting on God, uh, Wayne Stiles, he notes that, that waiting is often you know, the, the application of other biblical qualities to include the fruit of the Spirit. And we're starting to think more about the fruit of the Spirit in our small groups and reading and talking about this. But go through that, that list of the different parts of the one fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And I think you'll find that waiting, uh, waiting pays a, plays a part in each one of those. So we can be about the good work that God has prepared for us as we wait on Him because we know this new world is coming. 
Dr. Carl Ellis, he referred to this passage while addressing a group of students at Covenant. And he summarized it by saying, we must not sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the temporary. Don't sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the temporary. Our lifestyle is reflected in our eschatology and how we view the end. If the focus is on the, the temporary things, things that don't last, it may show that we have little belief in the actual coming of the Lord. Um, how seriously do we take the promises of God? The promise of His coming. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So our lives will tell the story if come Lord Jesus is the prayer of our hearts. In, in chapter 1, 1 verse 10, Peter said, uh, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. So that's an imperative he repeats here in verse 14. Apostle Paul, he would say something like this in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you. How about that? It's a both and. So we are waiting on the Lord and the Lord is waiting on us. He's working on us enabling us to actually do any waiting to begin with. That's why that's His grace. By His strength that we actually wait. But in our waiting, we are living quorum Deo, before the face of our God, before an audience of one. Have you heard the story of the carpenter um, who uh, he had built houses all his life and he was starting to get a little older, starting to get tired and he said it's time to, to retire. And so he told his boss that he was retiring from building houses. And the boss said, you've, you've been a faithful worker for so many years. Could you do me a favor? Just build one more house. And the carpenter very reluctantly said, okay, I'll, I'll build one more house. And so he starts working on this house knowing that it would be his last project. And so he started to cut corners a little bit. A little cheaper materials in building didn't measure as well during the project. And once it was all wrapped up, the boss came to the house and he said, thanks for building this one last project. And he handed the carpenter the keys and said, this is yours. It is a gift for all your hard work. Thank you. And the carpenter's thinking, what? What? He would have done differently. How this final project would have turned out if he had known that that was the case. That it would be his. Um, church family, the Lord's given us another day and we know the end is coming. Um, are we being diligent? What will the final product of our lives be when the boss shows up? Jesus shares a, a parable in Matthew 25. You may want to read this week as a similar message. Um, will we be working well? Will we be pursuing the knowledge of God, maturing in Christ at His return? So the false teachers, the scoffers uh, in these last days, they, they are the spots and blemishes upon uh, the purity of the bride, the witness of the church. But you, beloved, but you, church, be found without spot. Be found without blemish. Be found working and resting confidently and securely 
in Christ. And while we wait for the Lord, while we wait on the Lord, we won't be completely without spot or blemish in this life. Okay, this is not a, Peter's not conveying a message of moral perfection in this life. Okay, that perfection comes with the coming of the Savior on that great day. But, but the New Testament, it reinforces what the Old Testament makes, makes clear is that eternal life is found only by those who are without spot and without blemish. You can look at Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Revelation 14, just as a few examples. Before a holy and righteous God, we must be spotless. We must be blameless if we're going to be saved. Which means we need a perfect righteousness. Of course, nobody's perfect, right? And that's the real problem. We need a perfect righteousness outside of ourselves, credited to us, and that is the perfect righteousness of Jesus. The Lamb without spot, the Lamb without blemish, sacrificed on the cross. And when you believe that, when that is your true confession, then you are without spot and blemish on that great day. You will enter into His presence with joy, with thanksgiving. Because in Jesus we are made right with God. We are found at peace. That young father in Armenia, he continued to dig all by himself through this rubble and the devastation of this school. Eight hours, continued to dig for 12 hours, 24 hours went by, he was all alone. 36 hours he continued to dig. And at the 38th hour, his hands all bloody and bruised from moving rocks, he heard the quiet voice of his son. Dad! Dad, are you there? And so he screamed, Armand, is that you? Dad, I'm here. I told the kids to to come together and that if you were alive... And you would save me, and you'd save them. Because you promised that you would always be there for me. I knew it. You did it, Dad. Church, we are found by our Father. We have been rescued already through the life of His Son. Joined to Jesus, we are found by the one who says, I will always be there. So that day is coming. May we be found faithful and at peace with Him. Let's pray together. Lord, You have come to our rescue. You've robed us in the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus, removing the rags of our sin and imperfection. Lord, may we be found waiting faithfully for You and Your swift return. Lord, there's so much that comes with waiting for this day. So much that's out of our control and we cry out, come Lord Jesus. And yet as we wait, we can wait on You. We can wait in obedience. And walking in holiness. 
Lord, spur us on. We thank You for Your Word that does this. For Your Word that promises that You do not leave us, that You do not forsake us, and that You will always be near. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.